Macbeth, Macbeth, Macbeth. This episode, we're taking one more turn with Dynamite Hetty. One more turn, a classic gaming podcast that's always free to play. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. Kevin, Kevin, Kevin. We've got another friend today. We've got a special guest expert friend. That means they are an expert. They are a friend. They have an expertise in friendship. Yay! (laughs) For talking about Dynamite (laughs) Heady, I brought in a friend, writer, and game developer, Alex Roberts. Hello, hello, hello. Hi, hey, Alex. This is the first time we're meeting, other than on random Twitter. Yeah, Twitter I messaging. know. It's cool to finally uh, put some faces uh, to the voices that I've heard so many times. <laughs> Do they live up to the hype? The faces, you know. I kind of have a bad dog face sometimes, like a bummer face. A mad dog face? Mad dog? Do you mean like the sports ink? Like the Sports talk show, har- like horror? no, no, you know, you ever like you, you never been mad dog before, Jim? No one's ever mad dog deal. This is this might be a Southern California thing. What? But... I've never heard mad dog use as a verb. No, is that referring to the bum wine? Oh, it's like an intimidation thing. <laughs> it's not supposed to be funny. It's supposed to be angry, mostly <laughs> mad dogging. <laughs> oh, have you ever seen this face angry? <laughs> anyway, uh, we actually, Alex and I actually first got to talking and actually a very, in a very unusual place there's uh you're familiar with websites like goodreads right uh kevin yeah i am i'm on goodreads we're friends on goodreads speaking of friendship you recently ah, accepted there we go. We're, goodreads book friends. We're, yeah, book we're book buds. friends we're yeah. book buds are the buds that never book alone how did you meet alex on okay. on on a goodreads like site uh because alex had some incredible boss reviews <laughs> of games um <laughs> Yeah, I, I had this, um, I just wanted to start writing really, really, really subjective game reviews, uh, like reviews of games that I hadn't played in 10 years, or in some cases I'd never played, um, but I'd only seen glimpses of, um, and it was kind of supposed to be about the subjectivity of like how we experience games and blah, 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 uh, and I ended up doing 40 of them in 40 days, so I just started cranking them out, and they got more and more nonsensical as time went on. Uh, and then I, I made some good pals on Groovy. <laughs> <laughs> so 40 days. So you're like the, the Noah of <laughs> the Groovy, <laughs> of the Groovy website. <laughs> yes. You, you In just, all... you just locked yourself into a park <laughs> and just wrote, just typed away. Yes, exactly. In all senses of that metaphor, I am the Noah of Groovy. <laughs> yeah. And actually, if any, if anyone wants to read them, and I recommend that everybody does, uh, go on to Groovy, it's G-R-O-U-V-E-E, I believe, and look up Muscular Pikachu. <laughs> That's me. I, rec- I recommend them wholeheartedly. They're, they're beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm just going to say they're wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. They're w- absolutely wonderful. Oh, you guys are so sweet. Touching and personal. I, I liked them. Thank it you. Should, that's how reviews should be because... Who are we kidding? Everything's a review is subjective anyway, right? Yeah, exactly. So. EDF, 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 EDF. <laughs> So you picked the game today, uh, Alex, uh, as we have our guests. You picked Dynamite Hetty, and that that built up in Jim's mind this idea of cute games. He really likes cute games. He's a big Kirby fan, mm-hmm. as he's mentioned on the show before. Uh, mm-hmm. Specifically, Jim, what did you want to talk about with not just cute games, cute platformers? One thing that you're seeing, uh, I believe, 
more uh, you're seeing more and more now since since we've had this sort of democratization of of game design tools kind of what we talked about a little bit on um the episode with Cameron Kunzelman you're getting more design tools kind of geared specifically towards certain genres you've got uh point and click adventure tools you've got you know twine for for some text based stories plus additional plus additional things so you've got game maker for platformers which game maker's been around for quite some time and now that the tools are are being like honed and tutorials are getting better and better we're seeing more and more platforms um with maybe more like personal styles and one thing that you see a lot of uh, you're seeing maybe more of now than we have in like maybe the last i would say 10 to 15 years it's kind of like, like harking back to an older era where an adorable like uh, it's not necessarily a mascot but just like an adorable artistic design really led at least certainly led me to feeling just pure unadulterated joy in a game <laughs> even regardless of what the actual what i'm actually doing in the game yeah yeah like i can tell you a recent example one i i think that kind of fits this mold a little bit would be like a shovel knight uh, i don't know if either of you have had a ch- opportunity to play shovel knight i've heard i've heard really good things about it i've seen i've seen a little bit i haven't actually played it yet but it is exactly this i mean it is just silly and irreverent you're a knight in a fantasy world with a shovel. <laughs> you don't have a sword, you have a shovel. Like <laughs> And it has butt mode. Yeah, it has butt mode. So <laughs> I was actually gonna recommend because I, I saw this in, specifically maybe not so much in Shovel Knight, but Offspring Fling, which even like the little sound effect where you play as a, like a mother creature and you have to fling your babies to safety, <laughs> but every sound effect that's in it, it just sounds like the most whimsical sort of sound effect left from a tiny tune set. <laughs> Wee. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> Yay. It's um I, it's funny that you you talk about this sort of like this as a recent phenomenon or there being like a renaissance of cute games cuz I can think pretty far back um stuff like Yoshi's Island and in its own way Yoshi's Story being very much cuteness based not only in its design um, like it's aesthetic design, but also just in concept. Like in on Yo- in Yoshi's Island, you're protecting a sweet little baby, and in mm. Yoshi's story, you have to eat fruit so that you become happier. Like that's the <laughs> best thing in the world, you know. <laughs> Especially when you know when you think of games as uh, you know as violent or whatever as a lot of people did. I think in the '90s, and then it's like, well, in this game, I shoot all the bad guys, but in this game, I have to eat a lot of fruit so I can become happier <laughs> <laughs> no yeah i agree I, th- I think i think there was that in the 90s i think in fact dynamite Hedy's kind of that era where there's a lot of these kind of i mean there's a there's one at the same time that's uniracers where you're a unicycle for goodness <laughs> sakes you know that's a platformer where you're a unicycle but there was like a little bit when the platformers start coming back you know it was braid and it was team meat with super meat boy you know which you're not have cute elements, but they are definitely more on the yeah, violent. Braid's pretty dark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Braid's like a, it's yeah. like dark. Yeah, it's yeah. not cuteness for cuteness sake. It's like we're going to have this cute package and then be totally depressing yeah, exactly. <laughs> or violent. Yeah, yeah. and the, and the idea know. was, I mean, I think it, it got kind of overplayed in the end, but I think the idea was that you could kind of subvert that cuteness. So you have little tiny dudes with big giant heads in adventures in the world, but then, oh, something's horribly wrong. And then, you know, you have Limbo and Mm-hmm. you know everything else that kind of looks like that that's right i had w- one question i about this is i remember this may be unrelated we may have to pull it but i remember back when discussing 
back in college, we had actually we had a couple courses on on analysis of anime and anime theory. What what the hell college did you go to? <laughs> <laughs> An acclaimed art acclaimed engineering institution. Amazing. University of Phoenix Online anime degree. Yeah, actually I, I actually taught a course in anime there. But one thing that I was that I was always kind of wondering about is I used to used to see a lot of of elements that had been taken from either popular popular Japanese shows uh, that would eventually get ported over to America. I, you'd see this with, um, and it was certainly was the case with game with their game shows and kind of how things like Fear Factor came about. But I was always I, I always had a discussion with friends about how long would it be until elements of Moe culture became more popular in America. I don't say is, is that what this is, but is this where you're seeing elements of that? Or is it just like we like cute things <laughs> and now we're all just starting to realize it more? Yeah, I, I think you're right. And there's actually, this is a funny story because I was in a Walmart recently and there is so much Hello Kitty stuff in Walmart. Like of everything, like every kid's toy, um, you know, there's like the Superman version and the Batman version and the Hello Kitty version, like everything. Um, as where, you know, I think maybe like when I was a kid, Hello Kitty was kind of this like, oh, weird Japanese thing that maybe you could find like a keychain of in Chinatown. So I think I think there's this kind of mainstreamization of uh, uh, you, of you, cute Japanese you stuff. You and I had different childhoods. Oh. <laughs> you and I had different childhoods, Alex. They had the Karopi store. What? When I was in, in, in my mall. Really? A whole Karopi? Oh, man. A whole store of Karopi. It was called Kuro Kuro Karopi was the store. Wow. And it was just everything. The little frog, the little penguin. Huh. This is a Canadian thing. I think apparently. it's Ottawa. I think Ottawa has that. I think it's just maybe Ottawa's against. Yeah, <laughs> we're things. we're behind the times. In regards to your question, Joe, about if about you know people liking more cute things or being more aware of them now, I guess that's kind of what you're driving at. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I hope I, so. I, just, I think it's just a, t- a taste thing. I think it's just a trends thing. Honestly, mm. you know, people get tired of dark and gritty all the time, so then they want to see something light, and you know, then. You know, you get seven years of dark and gritty of every media being dark and gritty, being Batman or 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 Braid. That you come out of that eventually. You want just something different, new and different. You know, I'm serious. I like like how our how our how how overarching artistic themes, at least in popular culture, are like locusts. (laughs) Just every once in a while, they just new one new one emerges before going dormant for 17 years. I'll I'll just put it to you this way: everybody watched all the Batman movies, and those are just dark and sad. And then you know what? Mm-hmm. What immediately followed that? All the Avengers movies, which are more light and fluffy mm-hmm. and like fun for fun's sake. Yeah. And those are extremely popular at the moment. When and when something blips out there, like a like a Spider Man movie, it's all dark and sad. People don't want to see it. They're just like, this is bored and tired. We've seen this before. Yeah, you're totally right. And I think like everybody, oh, I hope everybody's gotten exhausted of the gritty reboot. Right. That was kind of the thing. Every possible property was being grittily rebooted. And I think, um, you know, my friends and I had this prediction that in another five years, everything will be a whimsical reboot. So like even even the most like dark and grim thing will be given a reboot where it's suddenly like sunshine and rainbows and cute times. So we have like a Mortal Kombat reboot where every it's which is more like a super gem fighter. Yes. So we have like Chibi Scorpion against like Chibi Molina. Yes. I buy that right now. I don't know what yeah. I don't know what the what the I'm, people at Midway are doing. I'm putting down the prediction right now. 
<laughs> cute, right. cute reboot of Mortal Kombat coming next year. We'll be right back on one more turn. Welcome back to One More Turn, where we're talking Dynamite Heady. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. And I'm Alex. So this week, Jim and Alex, we are playing, as Jim said, Dynamite Heady, developed by Treasure, published by Sega, uh, for both the Master System and the Genesis in 1994. Uh, Dynamite Heady is a cute platformer, I would call it, or just a platformer in in the vein of a Kirby. Uh, Other games published by Treasure, you got your Gunster Heroes, uh, Sin and Punishment. Alex knows Gunster Heroes, Jim. Don't give me that. Did look. you say Gunster? <laughs> Gunstar Heroes. Gunter Heroes. <laughs> Ikaruga and Wario World. Dynamite Heady is the second original title from Treasure. Before that, they did uh, uh, Gunstar Heroes. And they did a little game called McDonald's Treasureland Adventure. Yay! <laughs> I have not had a chance to play that, but I actually really want to. I want to see what Treasure <laughs> did with Ronald freaking McDonald. Like... <laughs> <laughs> I think I kind of remember that game, but I don't remember her playing it. You get to experience Grimace's dark side. <laughs> <laughs> yes. They're, they run out of cookies and he just goes. Just you were talking to... about gritty reboots. There it is. Uh, it came out. So the game uh, Dynamite Heady came out in 94. This was the year Nintendo dubbed the year of the cartridge for some reason. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, that was that was because Sony just made came out with PlayStation with the disc. Oh. So they were basically a, it was a big PR move. The Nintendo 64 was revealed. You also got games about that time are like Point Blank, Sonic 3 and Sonic and Knuckles, Earthworm Jim, Donkey Kong Country, Wario Woods. Uh, I put Descent because Descent doesn't get mentioned enough in the world. And then (laughs) has nothing to do with this game. Uh, But also a game like Sparkster and the aforementioned Uniracers, where you are a unicycle (laughs) platformer. I had forgotten about Point Blank, and now that you mention it, like it, it actually shares some very com- there's some very common huh. at least occurrences between this and and some of these some of the artistic styles in Dynamite Heady. But as uh, yeah yeah, but as you see, most of that list a lot of platformers at this time, like a lot of platformers going on. Uh, so so Alex, you know, with with all these platformers going on at this time, I'm curious why. I guess we're curious why why did you pick Dynamite Heady? Head and shoulders above all these, above <laughs> Uniracers of all games. Above Uni- it was a tough call. <laughs> um, uh, Dynamite Heady is, is definitely one of the like phantom, strange uh, games of my childhood that uh, I wasn't sure if I had dreamed or not. Because I just had really vague memories. It wasn't a game that, that we owned. It was a game that... Okay, please tell me everybody in their childhood had that one friend who had like a million games. Like me and my brother only owned two games for the Sega Genesis ever, and that was the only console we ever owned. But we had this like I was fr- that, I was that you friend, were that Alex. friend. I was that, and even I even I cheated it because I just went to the video store. So yeah, there was like a kid down the hall from me who um who had every Genesis game ever, in my opinion, at the time. And he had Dynamite Heady. And I I just remember certain things about it really vividly um, that seemed really bizarre and also really disconnected from each other. Um, and so I wasn't totally sure if it was the sa- if it was a game or if I was like mashing two or three games together in my memory or if I, the whole <laughs> thing was just a fabrication. So I, uh, I recently just found, the, found a ROM for it and started replaying it. 
And I was like, oh my God, this is real. And the things I remember about it are real. Um, maybe not in the right order and maybe they weren't all there, but, uh, but yeah, it's just as bizarre as I remembered. Um, so yeah, I thought I, I got to talk to somebody about this game. This game is baffling and strange. It wasn't just a fever dream. <laughs> yeah, <huh>? exactly. <laughs> yes. Reality is stranger. For people listening, uh, the best way to describe Dynamite Heading would be it's a platformer, but everybody is like a puppet and the element of it being like a play or a stage in every stage. And I mean, when I say stage, I mean like a play, yeah. like uh, like William Shakespeare. And every it is very obvious in every stage that there are stage, stage, quote unquote, elements yeah. in it. Yeah. And it, it yeah. plays up. It plays up the whole. I, I feel like it's a game that it basically was like, hey. Everyone calls levels stages. Let's just make a game where everything is a physical stage. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the entire, like, that was the entire That's idea. Cool, yeah. <laughs> it's, it is, and it's very, it's very, um, I guess, self-aware, but that makes it sound pretentious. Um, but it's more like uh, the game contains advertisements for itself. And um, during cutscenes, there's like a little sign in the corner, like a blinking neon sign that says intro playing now intro playing now like a physical sign that's on the stage in the game this game is very hard to talk about because <laughs> um, uh, yeah everybody it already is, talks about itself. everybody is puppets or toys or some sort of like little mechanical automaton and um all of the stage dressing is very like present and you sometimes see you sometimes see staging from behind like you'll see kind of like everything that goes on backstage uh, so it, it it's really kind of a strange aesthetic and one that I don't think uh, I don't think I've seen anywhere else. One thing that I really enjoyed was just being able to just to pinpoint. It's not always it's not always clear. It's not always obvious that there is that what is happening at that very moment is a is a performance because sometimes you see either it's uh, trouble brewing peeking at you from backstage, just uh, formulating some sort of devious plan in a wily e. coyote sort of manner or. Like there's just sections where you see a lot of maybe like ropes in the background and maybe someone tangled up in them. <laughs> Although in some levels there's just like a ton of people tangled up in the ropes, and I wonder, I wonder what the union thinks about this job. <laughs> that's that's another thing about it is that um, it's very light on story, uh, especially in the American version, and so you're kind of wondering like. Is Hetty fighting the bad guy a part of the play? Or is the bad guy the bad guy because he's messing up the play? Because as you get further, um, certain levels become more like uh, more destroyed or you can see more of the more of the backgrounds have been messed with. Or like you say, there's 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 stage hands in the background. They look all distressed and confused. So, yeah, the, the idea that this is a play, but something has gone wrong. Yeah, that was that was one thing that I was wondering about was if. You are, if, if you, right off the bat, you're acting in a way. You, you are trying to flee from this giant claw machine that, I, first of all, I, I can, from a design standpoint, even though when I hit it, it flashes, I can't, I'm not actually telling that there is actual damage happening. <laughs> this might be, this might be a strange aside, but I think for like the, at least the first three stages, I didn't actually know what I was doing. Yeah, it's, th that's another thing that I, get really excited this is why I, this is why i love this game is because a lot of things about it are what i think people would call bad design <laughs> like the fact that that you don't always know what if what you're doing is effective or if what you're doing is what you're supposed to be doing or if it's achieving anything um that that big robot monster in the first level he can't actually hurt you 
and you can actually finish the level without destroying him if you want. So some people that would be like, well, why is it there then? What's the point of that? You're right. And even <laughs> Trouble Bruin, like the first time Trouble Bruin shows up, this is like the actual first enemy that you fight, and you can only hit Trouble Bruin at a very small instance of time. Yeah. And it's not it's not that clear when that is. <laughs> yeah, it made me think because they added, they have that little angel that tells you where to hit. Yeah, target, target. Uh, target, <laughs> and I, I'm trying to think, did they add this? Did they realize at some point in development? <laughs> like, I don't think anyone's going to know what they're doing. <laughs> Let's right. just, oh, we need to like point, we need to like physically point to the spot you need to hit in order to, to, to beat it. Yeah, that again, I think, would be considered like lazy design. Like, no, you should just be able to tell and, buy, and figure out. Instead, we have like a literal little humanoid guy who comes out and points with a stick at what you need to hit and says, target, <laughs> target. Right. <laughs> Which, oh my, when they introduce that character in the little, like in, in the, I guess the tutorial town. Right, yeah. I have gotten probably carpal tunnel syndrome <laughs> just from that little mini game. He's flying around in circles. Yeah. It goes on a little too long. But yeah, uh, but yeah it's uh, getting back to the whole staging thing. You know, there's a lot of random elements. I didn't realize until I was about into the third or fourth stage that little thing in the top left corner is my health. Like, it just looks like a spotlight. Yeah. And then you're like, and then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, wait, it's like turn, it's like going more and more red. It starts as green, goes yellow, then goes red, and then flashes, and then dynamite dies. Yeah. DH dies, I call it. <laughs> Well, dynamite explodes. Yeah. And then certain bosses have it. Certain bosses, when you get to a boss fight, it has an, their health uh, light. But certain ones have it. Certain ones don't. So you're always kind of like, uh, yeah, it's, it's again, that would be an element of something not designed yeah. well. But like for here, I don't know if I say it works, but it's definitely just fascinating. Yeah, exactly. And it's um, like why I love it is because it's all of these formal things that have essentially been sacrificed to be cuter and to be weirder um you know i love that there's a little guy who comes out and says target he's super cute and and he matches the two little other guys the one that gives you different kinds of heads that you can use and then um, the little guys that the little guy that you hang off of to swing around like those guys are adorable and they kind of work as like a little triad of cuteness it is a little weird though that there are enemies later that look almost identical oh yeah to that like to the to the target guy <laughs> Like I, I know specifically, there I know there, there are, there's all kinds of little secrets in the game. It shouts out to you that like, oh, that you got a secret bonus. Yeah. Which hey, if there's anyone here that likes secret bonuses as much as me, <laughs> I will be shocked. <laughs> I am all about I am all about secret bonuses. Even though a lot like getting a lot of them are just very unusual. Like there might be like six cows, and there's one specific one that you have to jump on, or like there's a person, a stagehand cleaning the windows in the background yes who is the who's identical to to this helper friend um and even there was one boss that i was i've actually i got i got pretty stuck on basically it turned it was in a rotational level where you ran around and the world rotated with you Mm -hmm. and there's this giant monster in the middle who just like bashed to the ground in areas and i really couldn't figure out how to dodge (laughs) uh (laughs) because Um, but he launches enemies at you, which are identical to the one who's telling you where to yeah. hit. I'm like, oh, this guy's my friend. Clearly, and <laughs> ow. Like, uh. it's like, oh, thank God you're here. Ow, ow. Why? God, why? And then you have to, you have to beat him. We're supposed to be friends. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely not. It's definitely 
a lot of things are not told or not made explicit. Um, for example, during the end credits, you get to learn everybody's names. And all of the enemies and all of the mini-bosses and, and all of your little friends have, like, names. And they're, like, funny names that, it, that some thought has been put into. And it's like, I this was never given to me when I was playing the game. I don't know if it's in the manual, <laughs> but <laughs> there's all this detail that is just not present. I will accept that as a reward, though. Oh, yeah, totally. Because uh, this, yeah. this game gets very difficult. And I'll be honest, that was always one thing that I always that I I always appreciated specifically because I re I remember Kirby games did that. They always provided a cast list at the end where here are the names of all of our monsters because we put in that sort of effort into yeah. this. Kind of similar, I know we actually we spoke about in a recent show and tell about Porpentine's Pink Zone where it's recommended that you name the things that you come across oh. because that's that's a an, it's a better way to identify with things. It's a better way to create a story around mm -hmm. them. Knowing that like that this enemy is a waddle D. Yeah. As opposed to a super waddle D. <laughs> waddle do, Kevin. No, waddle do, excuse me. Excuse me. Pardon. <laughs> yeah, and, and in keeping with the staging theme, um, you know, they are, every enemy like trots itself out at the end and does a little bow and uh, and has its name up in Or a version of the bow. Well, yeah, exactly. There's, a spike. There's like a spike at one bar that just comes out against the stage. <laughs> yeah, they're, just like they're a not spike. all humanoids. So. <laughs> <laughs> they bow as they are able. So I'm wondering if, kind of going on the question of whether you're acting or not or whether you're just trying to salvage a performance that's falling apart. You see, I'm, I'm wondering then is the player... First of all, is that is that a common is that going to be a common trait in every game that I play now where like there is an interpretation that I am basically a character in a performance? Right. And who are you performing for? And if if the fight itself is a performance, then who's, you know, who's directing it? Uh are either of you aware of the secret ending? <gasps> yeah yeah you get a code by playing basketball yeah so if you um, is that what which, that is <laughs> yeah you type in a code and then you get a second bonus stage or you get it a bonus just keeps stage. telling me to remember numbers <laughs> <laughs> like you know, i'm having a difficult time enough remembering what the previous level was because there's just this hard <laughs> this hard disconnect when i'm going from just like a typical platforming level to all of a sudden, I'm thrown into an immediate boss fight, into another immediate boss fight. Yeah, and there's no rhyme or reason to it. There's no pattern. What can I ask? What the I didn't I didn't play the bonus stage, Alex. I'm assuming you've you've played it and beaten it. I mean, what is it? Does it reveal anything further, or is it just just extra fun? Um, kind of no, thing? no, it's it's. So this the only the, every part of Dynamite Heady is baffling, but this is the only part that I find genuinely frustrating because this game is brutally, brutally difficult. And I'm a huge fan. I love this game, but I have never actually beaten it. I had to like go and look up like Lex Let's Plays of it. I I recommend for the viewers at home watching uh, Madame Luna's Let's Play because she plays uh, the Japanese version of the game and she tells you about the differences and stuff. So that's super insightful. Um, but yeah, the final th this final bonus stage. If you get to the end, you go into like a CEO's office. And there are two <laughs> tough guys. I'm serious. There are two tough guys there. And the, the big rich... A question mark just appeared right over my yeah. head, by the way. So. Um, <laughs> so. Oh, your little feather? <laughs> like you have that ahoge? Yeah. My hair turned into a question mark there <laughs> exactly. for a second. Uh. Uh, and the CEO starts bragging and says that this adventure that he set you on was hugely profitable 
and all he had to do was destroy all of these things and you know come in all these people's way uh and so he's really excited to he says like next time i forget the exact line but he says next time we'll make an even bigger and more destructive adventure for you to go on hetty and so then uh, hetty is obviously resistant to this and then you have to fight the two tough guys and they like throw money at you and the money hurts you and uh <laughs> and then eventually you, you you have to kill the ceo himself you like you defeat him that this is, is so beautiful. subversive yeah it's really mind-blowing so for some reason they hid this like super important thing to understand in the game on behind not only an almost impossible to beat game but then also this super secret almost impossible to get thing at the very end of that yeah i don't know why we'll be right back on one more turn Welcome back to One More Turn, where we're talking about Dynamite Hetty. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. And I'm Alex. So, so Jim and Alex, uh, we've been dancing around this topic like all episode. Uh, Jim's physically dancing around it now, literally dancing around it now. Uh, but the idea of, is of what are you in this? Are you the player? Are you the avatar? Are you Hetty? Are you an audience? And I'm just going to blow blow both your minds right now. Just like dynamite? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Just hold, hang on to your head. Uh, I think you're both in this game. I think you are both the puppet master or the a puppeteer. You're both the avatar and you are the audience. And, and the reason I say that is it, it kind of as much meta as this game is and self-referential as it is, it does speak to this quality of video games as you are both a player in the game, but you are viewing what viewing the action and are and an audience member as well. Mm-hmm. And I think this Dynamite Heady kind of addresses that fairly well. Uh, yeah. In and it's sometime inexplicability. It does kind <laughs> of say say, "Hey, you are both the the puppeteer. You are controlling the action, but you are also viewing the action. You're kind of holding these dual roles." Seem usually contradictory roles, but you are holding them simultaneously. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to hear some of your thoughts on that. Uh, um, well, first, I would say that um, uh, Anna Anthropy has this really amazing book called The Rise of the Video Game Zinesters. Um, and she lays out kind of a few things about game design and about how we can talk about games. And she um, she says that the stage or you know theater is kind of the best metaphor that we have for video games because uh, it's it makes much more sense than comparing them to say to movies or to books because there will always be an act one and a, and a, a scene one but how how it plays out will be different every single time so you know unlike a movie which is which is completely static uh, so and that's funny because like I said I haven't seen any other video games there could they could be out there but I just don't know about them uh, that really take that game as theater thing and and play with it and point it out a little bit um so yeah this this game is saying lots of things it's it's saying them in no particular order and it doesn't care if you can hear it or not <laughs> it's saying them all over the place <laughs> kind of yelling them at you uh but yeah no I, I i think it's 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 kind of evokes discussion or or provokes thought a little bit i think it's a it's kind of a provocative game yeah because you made mention of of is the bad guy really the bad guy? Is it all part of the story? Is it not part of the story? Is he interrupting this play that's being put on, and is he not? And there is that in gaming. It's, it is almost like a, a, a bit of what you make of it. There are elements to kind of latch onto, 
but most of the meaning is tied into what you're personally bringing to it, generally speaking. Right, right. Because normally, normally when you're taking, you're experiencing and consuming any sort of pop culture, you will always bring in your personal context into it, and that's that's going to happen, you know, regardless. So our experiences and you know, and just listening to some silly tune is is going to be different itself. But in this case, we are we are the act we are the only participant. Mm. Not only are we an active participant, we are in I guess multiplayer games aside, we are the only one. Mm. So we so that takes into account that. We're not an audience member. I, I always feel weird when referring to a gaming audience because we are we are the perf- we are the, we are the ones pushing the buttons. So if if I want to play, you know, if I want to play a game by just trying to break everything in it, which well <laughs> says something I think about me as a as a player, <laughs> um, and trying to get things stuck into that, that will be a very different experience than a speedrunner or uh, completionist. Right, someone who's trying to hundred percent a game, yeah. uh, versus someone um, who just wants to sit down and, and enjoy a game for a half hour. Yeah, absolutely. And and as you said, we always we always bring so much to an experience, and I think especially an interactive experience. Um, you know, and everyone ex- everyone experiences games so differently uh, because of that. And I think Dynamite Heady is one of the few games that I, I think acknowledges that and gives room for it. So like. You know, you can interpret, uh, you know, who's putting on this play. Uh, is Trouble Bruin, like, the bad guy in the play? Or is he, like, a rival of, of Hedy's and he wants to be the star? You can interpret that, and, and the and the game actually steps back and just says, like, you, whatever you think, you know, whatever. There is no, you know, it doesn't, like, give you this canon, and then you have to come up with, like, fanon or headcanon, like, I, that's dumb as hell um it, it just really said it just really leaves a lot of stuff up to you <laughs> i was always a little concerned that i wasn't actually the main character in hmm. in the game ultimately because i'm watching as as i'm fighting a boss boss has a large key the keys are going to get collected for something <laughs> i assume to unlock some giant door that maybe not ha- doesn't have a four digit lock on it <laughs> i'm not entirely sure but every time Every time I, I go and there's a key to be collected, I'm running around it, I can't actually do it. The bosses kind of explode into s- something that you collect. Oh, uh, yeah. Do you have any idea what those are? I have no idea. They're just like little tokens that say yeah. DD, which I assume means Dark Demon. If you collect 13 of them, then there will be a magical voice. The same magical voice appears and says, you got another try and you get a continue. Yeah, another so, try. Wait, wait. Oh, do you have to collect no, exactly thirteen, or more than thirteen, or I think is it's it... minimum. It's minimum thirteen in the international version. In the Japanese version, you only had to collect ten. Also, can oh, we? So talk it actually about that? made it more difficult. Yeah, yeah. It seems to kind of go. Oh. The, it seems to kind of go the opposite of the traditional. That's what I would uh, think, Exporting right? of Japanese games. Yeah, you think of the Final Fantasy examples, right? Where it's like, let's only send the dumb ones. <laughs> yeah, or Mega Man. I go to collect these keys, and and they always get. And they always get jacked, or I suppose they get donated while I am, or while Hetty is heartstruck by this, by, by this female, ver- this female <laughs> clone of himself, basically, which is kind of is alarming. It's um, super weird. Maybe just because they're the only two that have the little candy cane of hoges. <laughs> but like, I'm wondering, is she the main character and I'm just, I'm playing along here? So Is this game more, much more progressive than I thought it was? You get saved, actually, by her. Using all of those keys. 
Yeah, it's sort of, it, it gets confusing. Heather is a really odd character, um, just as far as, like, girl characters in video games go. Because she has this, like, really, really stereotypical, um, she appears and Hetty is just, like, a female thing. And his eyes pop out into giant hearts and he's like, hoba hoba. Um, so that's weird. And then she appears to be more competent than you and is taking the keys whether she's working with or against you, it's not really clear. Um, but at the very end, if you get to the end boss level, she shows up at the boss level and just gets kidnapped. Like, just get gets damseled at, like, the very last second. <laughs> well, if... there, goes, there goes my thought of it being a progressive game. Definitely, Sorry. Definitely not. <laughs> um, this is, again, we should, we should really talk about the differences between the Japanese version and the English version. Yeah, yeah, because there's that... Because like you said, like, you don't know if she's a, a hindrance, you don't know if she's helping you. I mean, I think you said during, I think during the break, you're talking about how the Japanese version is kind of a more, it kind it of tells has, you what's going on. It has dialogue. <laughs> it actually has dialogue, <laughs> um, which is really helpful for understanding its story. It makes it slightly less baffling. Um, it's still a lot thing of things are not explained. But, uh, but yeah, when she shows up in the Japanese version, she has little text boxes that say things like, you know, I'll handle this, Hetty, or like, um, there's that, uh, the fight with the robot geisha, or clockwork geisha, or whatever. It kind of looks like she's helping that robot with the yeah. keys that she has collected, and I was like, Heather, what are you doing? I thought we had something. But, uh, <laughs> but in the Japanese version, she's like, she is explaining that she's like hindering it somehow, uh, and then it malfunctions or whatever. So, yeah, a, a lot of this, this game is very, very different in Japanese and like in the most in the most confusing ways like some changes are just totally arbitrary also yeah like I said they made the game harder like in in the Japanese version you have you start out with two continues instead of none and like bosses have a lot less health and can hurt you less and um, just certain things take fewer points or whatever so I have no idea why that decision was made during localization but for some reason, they just made game harder to play and harder to understand. <laughs> for the and they version. also they also threw in the I guess the typical uh, the typical North Americanization of putting angry eyebrows on absolutely <laughs> everything. Yes, it's the Kirby Squeak Squad effect. Just oh, we got to make sure that it looks pissed off. <laughs> got to make sure that Trouble Bruin is like you know you know that he is the Meta Knight of this game. He's just <laughs> he's just always getting in your way. Which I would like to point out that. It took 50 minutes of recording this before I realized the actual joke in the name <laughs> Trouble Bruin. <laughs> I have accomplished something. Hooray. <laughs> There's Trouble Bruin. I didn't know that Bruin uh, meant bear. I was like, what? Right. And so, but even like, even that character, there's a point where there's a machine that he's trying, that he is using to, to beat your bum. And and then just like at one point, like you you the machine blows up, and then it just goes like a full a full Syriax out and starts going going crazy. Uh, and at which point you actually are working together. Yeah, you're working together with Trouble Bruin. I like to think of of Trouble Bruin as like kind of just misguided, and he's like jealous of Hetty because he wants to be a star of the show, but um, he doesn't do it in the best way. So. I, I I don't know, but but there it, it is really funny that he's this like angry looking eyebrows guy, um, this little brown bear, and in the Japanese version he's just got this like completely 
like blissful ignorance dumb grin on his face he looks so sweet like how could you beat up on that guy how could you fight that boss he's just smiling he's just happy to be there that must that must be far more alarming when that is the face that is just on top of some horrid death machine it's just something that just spikes all out meanwhile there's just this happy little pink face just grinning at you the entire time it's it's definitely bizarre <laughs> Also, in Japanese, his name is Maruyama, and I've looked it up a bunch, but I can't figure out what that means. But oh, but he sing he actually sings his name like when he when he first appears at the end of the first level. There's this like in the background music, it goes like ma 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 Maruyama, like even in the English version, he still has this little rap. What? He still has this little jingle. <laughs> He's a pop sensation. Want... It sounds like <laughs> yeah. I'm like. Right, maybe that's it. Maybe that's maybe oh, that's yeah. his end. Yeah, he's the he's the poop pop singer, and so he expects that he should be the star of the show. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand. Still, I still <laughs> yeah, I no. Still that's the thing, and I've 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 uh, I've seen a let's play of the there was like a fan translation of the Japanese version um, that Madame Luna did, and it makes a little more sense because, like I said, there's dialogue, but it still mm. doesn't really make sense, uh, <laughs> and a lot of things are different. But um, but that. That level of like detail and just the number of, of strange and kind of disconnected things that are in the game, you know, enemies that only appear once uh, and never again, or things that hurt you but don't look like enemies at all, and in some cases are identical to the things that help you. <laughs> yeah, like the the little the cage. There was a cage after one mini boss <laughs> yes. that just it had uh, your little buddy that gives you that gives you hats. And then it just had like this guy staring at a horse. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, no, no, you you free you free the horse and a mini person, like a toy soldier or something, and then they 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 bump into you and they hurt you. Like you, like oh, I did something great. I helped these people. And then no, they just you touch them and they do more damage to you. And then you have to beat them, destroy them, and you get a bonus out of it. That's right. So if you, you get them, you get a secret bonus point. <laughs> So you have to free them in order to destroy them. <laughs> you know? it, meanwhile, like, was it was it worth it? Yeah, was it, it is, worth it. I, I think I think Dynamite Heading really turns the concept of reward on its head because you get you can get secret bonus points, uh, but you don't get them for accomplishing things so much as just doing something. Like it's not like there it's it's not like it's a difficult task that you have to perform. It's just something you would do if you were kind of exploring around and messing around um and happened to knock over that cow or, you know, move those things over or whatever. Get six of those guys. And then you so you get your bonus points, but they don't do anything. They're not Right. You, yeah. They I was yeah. wondering about they that. They don't <laughs> even help you get the code. Like the code no. thing is you completely get that on your own. Like you don't even have to like do anything special for that other than you know, shoot hoops. There's a five, <laughs> there's like these 500 point bonuses that are just littered throughout the stage. And they are often in places that maybe require a couple of steps to reach. And even Hetty shouts out like a triumphant, yeah, every time you get one. But meanwhile, I remember it actually took me like maybe a half dozen of them before I noticed that on my screen, actually on my, my HUD, my, my Hetty HUD, uh, there's no point total there. Yeah. And of course, it goes through it at the end of each level, and it gives you a, a, a score. But that's not something that I'm going to be actively pursuing unless I have some sort of, uh, maybe some sort of just reiteration <clears throat> that this is a goal that I should accomplish. Yeah, and it, it, was, it was crazy. I was watching a long play, and I think when you beat Dark Demon at the end, uh, you just get so many points that it stops counting. 
Like it just gets to <laughs> nine 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 really? nine, and it just stops. And then That's like, amazing. You know, like, but like the ticker's still going up. Like you can still hear like that sound of point accumulation. It's just the number has stopped. Also, <laughs> it doesn't roll over like an old Tetris machine. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's so amusing. <laughs> yeah, no, and I, and I like that's what I love about it. I love the amount of detail that provides no other benefit than itself. I mean, uh, like I said, this is something that I saw vaguely as a kid and then didn't uh, didn't really interact with again until recently. But one of the things I remembered about it was secret bonus points. That that <coughs> mysterious voice. You got a secret bonus point. I mean, that that's its own reward. <laughs> it is it is i was getting asmr chills from it <laughs> well i mean i guess that segues nicely to just sort of i mean I guess wrapping it up here i mean you know i'll start with you first jim final thoughts on dynamite heady here jim what what what's your big takeaway if anyone has been has been keeping track of perhaps the games that I've been recommending on our show and tell sections you will probably know that this game is right up my alley <laughs> in that there is so much information being being thrown at me at all times, not just visually, in which case it's often I found it difficult at times to tell the foreground from the background, friendlies from enemies. Oh, the first time I entered the town, <laughs> I was frozen. Like, do I do I punch the clown? Nope, not the clown. Yeah, <laughs> not the pretty la- the pretty lady looks like she's crying. I'm like, she looks like she's got worse. Can I help her? Nope, can't interact at all. <laughs> And meanwhile, there's just everything is so is just br- with bright as bright colors. I it's just a circus. It is just an emotional circus, <laughs> and that is how I feel about this game. That's a high emotional recommendation. Circus. It's an emotional circus. <laughs> after each level, it's like after each level, there's a new act that comes on that is completely different than the other ones. And because is that all the enemies are new? There's references to older enemies. There's like that knight-looking guy, but they're they show up and wearing different armor or having different different weapons, different patterns. Like, hmm. there's very little information that helps me from level to level. <laughs> it's just about it's about adapting. Hmm. And actually, I I have not played a game like this ever. <laughs> and you know what? I really dig it. I really dig Hetty. I will go back and I will play a Hetty. Yeah, that's kind of my, my thoughts. It's just like, well, I'm not sure it does everything it wants to do effectively. I feel like it just, it just puts it out there. Like, it's just like, fuck it. Let's just like throw some weird crap out there. Let's just see if people Mm. enjoy it. Uh, but you know, in, in talking about Abba's take a chance on me. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Like, and I appreciate it for that. Like, like, you know, most games and most game developers are so worried about it satisfying an audience and being perfect and getting that 9.8 score or whatever, (laughs) whatever their dream is. And this is just not that at all. It's just like, let's just try something different and something new and see if any of these ideas stick. And, you know, maybe some people will enjoy some of it, most of it, you know, the, what doesn't work, it doesn't work. Who cares? We're just going to leave it in there anyway. <laughs> it adds a certain level of charm uh, <laughs> when it's not perfectly, you know, ex- when not, everything's not perfectly explained uh, to you. So, yeah, but yeah, I'm, 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 I'm going to have to high score this thing at some point or speed run it in some way. <laughs> I like high scoring it. <laughs> Get all the secret bonus points. I encourage you. I encourage you to try. Um, it's, yeah, I, I just hope that ever, that lots of people who listen to this, uh, go and either find it on Steam, which I think you can do, or go find a ROM or whatever, because it's just such an odd little game and it, it has a lot of charm. It has a lot of sweetness 
and uh, there's just there's just a wealth of of detail and visual stuff, really cool level design that you know, like you said, sometimes fails, and you know, some some things about the game are just messed up, and it's it the difficulty is weird, and certain things just don't work the way they should. But you know, if something is gonna fail, let it not be a failure of ambition, right? It's yeah, it's something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, uh, great. Well, thank you for uh, for joining us this week, Alex. Uh, where can uh, where can people find your stuff? Where can where can people find more more of muscular P- Pikachu here? <laughs> well, that is the, the, that is my Twitter Twitter handle um, <laughs> at muscular Pikachu. Feel free to follow me or talk to me. I'm I'm on there a lot. Uh, you can also just look at my website uh, at alexroberts.neocities.org. Neocities is the new GeoCities. Um, yeah, please get a hold of me. Get in touch with me. I'd love to hear from people. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me on. Oh, well, thank you. It was an absolute delight. Thank you so much, Alex. Thank you for listening. One More Turn is produced, created, and hosted by Jim Staholsky and Kevin King. If you have any comments or questions for today's game, Dynamite Heady, or for our guest, Alex Roberts, you can email us at onemoreturnpodcast at gmail.com. You can also uh, send us a message. Sorry, Jim's giving me a weird look. You can also send us a message <laughs> on our Twitter feeds. I am at King Sorbo. That's S-O-R-B-O. Jim is... At Fuzziest Kitty. And Alex is at... At Miscular Pikachu. IED is courtesy of Pixel Hate off his album Man of the Revolution. You can find more of his music at pixelh8.co.uk. Blue Paint is courtesy of Breakbeat, Heartbeat, and the Waveform Generators off his album 2206. You can find more of his music at soundcloud.com slash breakbeat heartbeat. Kevin, Kevin, what are we going to do next week? Next week's Jim is show and tell. Oh, and Alex, excuse me. Next week, Jim and Alex, it's show and tell. <laughs>